My guest today is Belgian serial entrepreneur Jeroen Kortout. And Jeroen is the co-founder of Salesflare, a CRM company. Jeroen, you're very welcome to the podcast. Jeroen, perhaps you could tell me a little bit about your background, where you grew up and what some of your early influences were. Yeah, uh, I grew up in, in a, a few different places because my dad worked at Philips and sometimes switched jobs and went to different countries and stuff. Uh, I was actually born in the US. Uh, we then went back to Belgium, uh, stayed in the Dutch speaking part, like in the north, close to the Netherlands. Uh, then at some point when I was three years old, we moved to the French speaking part, right next to the German speaking part. Um, uh, because he was working in Aachen in Germany. Okay. Uh, when I was six, we moved back to the Dutch speaking part. Um, I studied in university. I studied engineering. I uh, majored uh, first in electronical stuff and then biomedical stuff. Um, and I actually never, although I really like engineering, and I like sort of solving issues and all this kind of stuff. I didn't see me doing that as a job. Mm. Uh, I always liked working with customers. Actually, when I was like 15 or 16, I, um, I started building websites for people. I really enjoyed that. And I saw myself having this sort of web design company one day. Mm. Uh, I'm sure many entrepreneurs from the, uh, around my age had the same dreams. Yeah. Um, and uh, after university, I did business school because of that because I really couldn't find any, any company who wanted to give me a, a more business job as an engineer. And actually after business school, my plan worked because I started in marketing, mm -hmm. uh, because I studied biomedical engineering. I went into pharma. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to do a product manager job because I thought that would bring me the closest to starting my own company because I had my own product. Uh, that was not at all the case. My responsibilities were extremely limited so i didn't do that job for a long while actually just 10 months and then i switched sort of back to to my roots i started at a company that did um that helped pharma companies life sciences companies in general uh to digitize to essentially first build websites but then evolve that towards uh full multi-channel marketing campaigns. That's how we call it in the day. I think now they call it omni-channel, new word. Was that Doctora? That's the... No, that was a cross-health. Okay. Okay. Sorry, I, I interrupted you because I was just trying to uh, patch the pieces together. So that was, a, did you say, a, sorry, a life science company? That, that, that was a, a consulting company, consulting slash agency. We, we spanned both. Like we went all the way from the strategy to the, to the implementation and the measurement and everything, um, uh, for life sciences companies, it's called the cross health, uh, was when I joined about 35 people, uh, when I left uh, more than 60, uh, working internationally with different big pharma mostly, but also biotech. Uh, my biggest client was Celgene is kind of a hemato oncology company that helps you with all kinds of diseases you don't want to have okay and so at this stage now the engineering side of your your career is gone right you're not you're not in engineering now you're now in consulting essentially yeah actually uh i also i'm not in healthcare right now so okay. i sort of uh left that it was a bit um uh, slow moving 
um, I found. And I'm now in a much more exciting space where I'm mm. still doing the marketing. Mm. I'm sort of most of my time spent on marketing aspect of sales where the other part of product and, and sort of general management. Uh, but what we do is we build software, uh, which is sort of a natural extension of building websites, I would say as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but much more complex, of course. From the way I read it on LinkedIn, just looking at your career, correct me if I'm wrong, there seemed to be some sort of a pivot when you were at, it was a, it was a doctorate, that company where it seemed to be one type of company and then seemed to pivot to providing sales and marketing to uh, yeah. other companies and then from that then into Salesflare. Is that, did I get, get that right? No, my LinkedIn profile has a lot of gaps in that okay. uh, since like Doctura was my, the first company that I actually started. Like it, it went beyond the project and I started working on it. It didn't work out. So I just uh, pivoted what the entity does. Uh, it's now my uh, sort of management company. Um, but then I, I had a few other projects after that from uh, building a website for people who wanted to okay. go to the World Cup in Brazil to starting a, a, a tele, uh, what's it called? Telemedicine company helping yeah. like nurses follow pacemaker stuff. Yeah. Um, to then business intelligence, like reporting on data. Yeah. Um, and that's actually from that business intelligence software companies is where Salesforce started. Uh, when we were looking for a better way to follow up our leads, we didn't find anything. And, right. yeah. I want to talk to you about that in a moment. Before I do, though, I'm, I'm fascinated always by the entrepreneur mindset. So what I'm hearing from you is I did this and then we did this. And I, I don't want to say it's project based. It seems to be opportunity based. There's something, there's a need and that you step into mm -hmm. and that there's there seems to be wherever you see there's an itch you have to go scratch it from a point of view of being creative with technology and <laughs> always kind of, i'm fascinated by life would be a lot easier for entrepreneurs if they could just get a nice steady job in a bank right yeah well <laughs> but that that isn't the life and so i'm, I'm curious always about where that comes from the life because it's not an easy road and it's mm -hmm. it's constant hard work but it has its own rewards as well so talk to me a little bit about that about where you think it comes from and then the 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 downsides to to that kind of lifestyle plus also where you see the the real rewards uh i think what drives me mostly is um building something meaningful uh and it's it's a lot of it is in the building um I mean, I was a consultant before, that was nice. Um, and I would get a lot of responsibility in the sense that I could really manage the projects from finding the customers to finding out what they needed to like scoping the project, making a proposal, a budget, making sure it happened to, you know, making sure it got paid, everything. Um, but it was, um, it was never building on top of the last thing maybe building on top of the, the client relationship, uh, but it never felt like we were doing something lasting. And that's the nice thing about building a company is that you're every, every day you're, you're, you're taking uh, the team a bit further, you're taking the product further, uh, you're taking your customers a bit further. Uh, you see everything evolving and you, you, know, you, you you, you put in an effort, you sort of decide how you're going to do it. You take full responsibility over it. 
and sometimes you see it going backwards uh, hopefully not too often uh, but most of the time it's, it's going forward and it's a great feeling mm. going backwards by going backwards i presume you mean setbacks things that are setbacks yeah. that, but that challenge you and you, you really have to kind of dig deep to keep everything moving forward right yeah exactly that, yeah. that happens now and then yeah, yeah sure i i th that's it's like you see these memes on linkedin and it talks about the life of an entrepreneur and instead of this kind of linear trajectory it's it's up and down and it's in back and forth and so on and how do you cope with that because that would that kind of uncertainty that kind of constant need to keep your eye on the ball and working you know trying to it can feel sometimes like you're trying to push string uphill at times mm -hmm. how do you keep yourself motivated to do that uh i think early on i was very bad at it i would start developing all these weird tension headaches and my neck would stiff up and mm. you know <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 naturally relatively good at uh managing um a lot of annoying emotions um but still, I was pretty bad at it. It would all sort of sink into my body. Uh, nowadays, I focus a lot on uh, sleeping well. Uh, you know, it's, it's super important. Uh, exercising, eating well. And I can share a lot of things about all these aspects. But it basically, uh, you can also do some meditation and breathing exercise, if you like. Mm. But all these kind of things to uh, make you the best you and the most stress resistant, because that's, that's one thing you need. And then the second thing you need is a, is a plan. Uh, you need a, a yearly plan, but also you need a monthly plan. You need a daily plan. Um, and if you can stick to that, then you sort of have that, um, that guidance. Uh, you know where to go. Uh, you just go that direction. And if setbacks yeah. happen, you, you know that most of the time they're temporary. Uh, you rel yeah. relativize them. Also, yeah. My issues um, got uh, upgraded over time from uh, bad issues to better issues, if you know what I mean. As the company progresses, yes. uh, the issues I have to deal with are are sometimes maybe bigger, but uh, less uh, less annoying. Yeah. In a sense. I don't yeah. know how to say it. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I get it. In fact, it was a it was one of those aha moments I had. I was reading a book, and I can't remember the author's name comes to mind, but it's the fine art of not giving a fuck right? That, that's the title of the book. And in there, he talks about that we are conditioned as humans through evolution to deal and react with problems. We cannot experience joy unless we've had some stress beforehand. Now, I, you know, take that mm. not too literally, but it's, it, the, you know, the relief comes after the climb. And yeah. he, he, his view was that, like, you know, we, we often wish that, let's say, we, we had 100 million in the bank. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, as soon as that happens, now you have a whole set of other problems. And we don't think about that. And he, and, and, and he boiled it all down to, and this was, to me, was my takeaway, was he says, the best thing you can wish for in life is better problems. Yeah. And, and, and I just love that philosophy because people, we try to escape from problems rather than embrace what you're saying is that problems become better problems over time rather than the ones that, kind of lead us into a negative headspace. Um, 
I'm probably going to be a little bit selfish now because you, you, you touched on the idea of better sleep and health and so on. And this is a topic for me. And I'm sure, it's, look, I, I know it's a topic for a lot of others. And I see the bicycle in your background. I don't know whether that's just for commuting or whether it's there also for... It's, uh, uh, at this point, mainly for my wife. I'm, I'm running. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of exercises, really, is that uh, I, I know that I am challenged sometimes in getting consistent sleep. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I'm aware of this. My Apple Watch was going off recently telling me that, you know, sleep is really disturbed. And so I'm curious if you got just a short amount of time to maybe talk a little bit about your overall package of how you keep your head straight through exercises, sleep, and meditation. Okay, I'll start with sleep. Uh, to sleep well, uh, there's, there's some rules I follow. For instance, I, I don't drink coffee after uh, three because I know if I drink it after three, it's going to affect my uh, my non-REM sleep. Like my deep sleep will be less deep. Um, then um, if I drink alcohol, I only do it in the weekends. And I try to do it as early as possible. It's a great excuse to start drinking just right after work. <laughs> you and me both, exactly. That, I've been telling my wife that for years. Yeah. <laughs> no, because my, my... Because we need to snore and that means I, I sleep poorly. So I say, well, look, I'm, <laughs> I'm drinking a little bit early so that you have a better night's sleep, honey. <laughs> exactly. No, my, my parents, they, when I go there, they, they drink... Uh, at at 11 right before bed and my sleep scores uh, on my fitbit are always way worse uh so i I try to drink at maybe starting at seven or something Uh, but then but then uh, stop uh ideally actually three hours before sleeping uh but i i make it more like two hours Uh, so i usually go to bed at at 11 Uh, so i uh i stop drinking at nine even with water or so I know that if I drink it too late, I have to go to the toilet in the middle of the night or or part of the night I'm uh, considering to go to the toilet. Mm. Uh, so I, I also stop drinking water um, at least an hour before sleeping. That's the worst bit I find. <laughs> I love your the way you described that, considering going to the toilet. It's not, if you need to go, you need to go. It's that bit where you're lying away going, do I need to go? Do I not? Yeah. <laughs> That's horrible. And then at some point they're like, okay, I'll do it. And then, yeah, I'm yeah. thinking about it. Hmm. <laughs> okay, yeah. that's, that's, that's really good. I, I guess it's, it's just simple rules that help you. Anything else from the sleep point of view? So what we said is, is coffee not after three, no alcohol after, say, with, certainly within a two-hour, ideally a three-hour window, preferably yeah. on the weekend to avoid all that. Uh, anything else? Meditation? um no well sometimes my wife has this kind of tape which she can't sleep to uh, this meditation tape and it always mm. uh, kicks her out it helps uh mm. i don't necessarily need it so much uh, i mean it's it's dependent on the, the sort of sleeper you are mm. um what sometimes helps for me if i'm really thinking about a lot of stuff uh then i'll do some just simple breathing stuff like you can do box breathing for instance where you um, inhale for X seconds. You could take five, for instance, five seconds. Mm. You keep for five seconds, you exhale for five seconds, and you keep for five seconds, and you keep repeating that. Yeah. And when you keep focusing on that, uh, you sort of have to forget the other stuff. Uh, you, you breathe a little slower, and it helps you to, mm. to fall asleep. Um, another thing that helps is, um, is just every time you exhale, think out, out. And then that that's, it has the, the same effect on me. 
to fall asleep. Yeah. That's a form of meditation in itself, I would imagine. Yeah, it's sort of meditation. I mean, meditation is largely based around uh, breathing exercises. Mm. So uh, Mm. there's other sort of techniques as well, Mm. of course. Okay. And touch on me briefly, then diet and exercise. What's your regime for that? Um, I'm I'm currently um, diet-wise eating uh, whole foods, plant-based. So avoiding processed foods and avoiding meat and dairy and all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Still eating a little bit of... um, fish sometimes uh, the smaller the animals the better um, because uh, the smaller they are the less bad stuff they get absorbed in their lives uh, like for instance if you have a tuna it's it's it uh, usually contains a lot of mercury which is bad uh, but uh, if you take shrimps or mussels or whatever uh, it's much better that's an interesting i never thought of that and, and it makes perfect sense of course i've never thought of that interesting all right cool um and I also avoid uh, sugar um, and f- fats in general so yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and then on the exercise level, I just go running. I do that uh, three times a week now. I have a set schedule. It's important because if you if you don't set it, uh, then it's very hard to keep up. I yeah. also found out that it works best for me, uh, at least in the mornings. So I go run just uh, straight out of bed. Um, while when I used to do it in the evening, I would always find an excuse. Uh, somehow when I do it straight out of bed, I don't find the excuse. So it's great. Yeah. Um, just do half an hour. It doesn't have to be a crazy run. I'm not doing a marathon or something. I'm just keeping up my health. Um, and I have this app that uh, has this sort of levels, um, where if I feel like I'm, I've mastered a level, I can go to the next level a bit nice. faster and a bit longer. Yeah, yeah. So you've integrated tech into your life as well as at every part to support that. But but the tech, I'm guessing, would play no part in any of that without what I'm sensing from you is a high level of discipline uh, to maintain that. Talk to me about then discipline when it comes to work and mm-hmm. how, how discipline has been an, a part of your success to date? Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of levels to that. Um, so like I said before, we have the, the, the yearly plan, uh, sort of monthly plan, bi-weekly plan, and daily plan. Uh, on the, the top level, uh, we define what sort of results uh, number-wise we want to reach in a year. And then we also define uh, how we're going to reach that. Just just putting numbers in front of ourselves doesn't help us, we found out. So a few years ago, we started um, also defining what we're going to do on a consistent basis. Mm. Um, so we're going to do that many features in a month, that many improvements in that, uh, growth improvements, that many support approach improvements, that many... Uh, SEO articles that, you know, we, mm. we just figure out like, okay, if we want to reach these results, what mm. do we need to do mm. and how much on a consistent basis, what is mm. feasible? We mm. put that forward for ourselves and that's sort of where it uh, becomes a monthly plan as well, because then on a monthly basis, mm. we can see like, did we hit the things we oh. said we wanted to hit? That's interesting. That sounds to what we would call a cookbook from a sales perspective. What are the different activities I need to do on a consistent yeah. basis? I'd never heard of it applied though to a product where we need to have X number of features. We, we have it not just on product level, we have it on the marketing level, we yeah. have it on the support level, we have it yeah. everywhere. Interesting. 
So it's very much behavioral based in the business. These are the, yeah. the behaviors that we need to do consistently in the, the we, we found out that we are, uh, and probably other people as well, but uh, us as a team for sure, uh, we are very good at uh, hitting these kind of targets. Mm. And if we hit these kind of targets, we're also good at hitting the actual like number-based targets. But if we just put the, the like, we need to grow that much uh, in front mm. of us, it doesn't really help. Uh, so that's why we go through the whole exercise. Yeah, no, I I love it absolutely because there is no confidence unless there's a plan, and there's no plan unless there's defined activities that are consistently hit. Tell me that now. So I'm listening to this one hat on, and what I'm hearing is a company that's highly disciplined, very much focused around specific, consistent behaviors that lead to success. Mm -hmm. Of course, companies' culture are not just defined by that alone. That's an important, that's like a kind of the pulse through it. Talk to me about the other aspects of company culture. If I was to walk into the office in the morning, assuming that everybody was there, I don't know what it's like for you guys right now, um, what would I feel? What would I experience? Um, so actually, uh, we don't really go to the office right now. Unless on Thursdays, and it's Thursday today, so after this I will I will uh, join my colleagues in the office. I'm still at home right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you would go there now, you would see uh, two developers. The rest decided today that they don't want to go into the office. Uh, <laughs> I saw that already this morning. Mm. Um, Is that they, COVID-related? That's COVID-related, yeah. yeah. Normally, normally we were all in the office. That was sort of our... Our way of working if we're all in the same room it's easier to communicate uh information flows quicker we can uh, advance quicker mm-hmm. uh, we actually found out that this is not really true um that it makes much more sense to organize our communication better so everybody always knows what they need to know consistently systematically um mm-hmm. and we have a lot of processes we put in place right when the the lockdown uh, happened um for instance, uh, a simple tip is, um, I mean, I mean, I think most companies make meeting minutes, right? When you're having Ooh. a meeting, you write down what you decide, you why you decide. Should. Yeah. 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 Well, um, we do complex stuff. If we don't do it, we don't remember afterwards why we made a decision and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but then at the end of the meeting, we also write down what the other people who weren't in the meeting. Uh, should know about what was decided in the meeting. So it's sort of a high-level summary. Nice. Uh, we, we call it announcements, and we place that in Slack. Yeah. Uh, Slack is, uh, for those who use Teams, it's like Teams, but better. Uh, say that. I've got people from Microsoft who listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have people from Salesforce, uh, the big giant Salesforce company as yeah. well, right? Yeah, 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 they, yeah. They bought they bought Slack for many billions. That's, so that's right. I know. They'll be a happy. A lot of money. Yeah. A yeah. lot of eye eye watering, but uh, anyhow, yeah, I'm 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 sure it's worth it. I I familiar with it obviously, but uh, I don't use it here because we're too small. But um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, we we post it in Slack. Everybody can read that. Everybody knows sort of high level what's going on, and if they want to know the details, they can click through the document. Well, uh. click through on the link to the document and read the whole thing. Uh. Um, but it it just makes it easy to keep every everyone on the same line. Yeah. There's no surprises all of a sudden, like, oh, how did this happen? You know, you yeah. know, stuff. <laughs> uh, so, okay, I, I need to ask you this question. This, there's, there's no escaping it. You decided 
for whatever reason to start a CRM company. And I, I know you did say that you were looking to do things you couldn't find an answer for in the market. From a lay person's, okay, I'm not necessarily a lay person when it comes to CRM, but from an outsider looking in, that sounds to me like somebody wanting to, to start a search engine company in 2021. What possessed you to start a CRM company? Let's start with that. Uh, I think it's more like we're starting a CRM company, like Google started a search engine company. <laughs> You know, Google saw that most, most search engines uh, were just annoying to work with. Uh, there was a lot of buttons you had to click here. It wasn't easy. You couldn't just type something and would give you the right result. Actually, I remember having this tool, I think it was called Copernic or so, and it would hook, hook up to all of the search engines, like 20 or so. And then you would do a search and it would combine the search results of all these uh, search engines in one yep. place. And then I would still sift through it. Uh, Google just fixed that. They made something that works. Uh, mm. We think about it uh, in a similar way. Um, we saw that uh, CRM systems are most often uh, hated and not used by salespeople. Mm. Uh, we figured why. Uh, well, we didn't have to figure. We, we, <laughs> we had the same issue. Uh, basically, a CRM is uh, considered something in which you are going to put a lot of um, effort to put it to keep it up to date. People think that is normal, mm. uh, so they think it's normal that a salesperson fills out everything they do, every little piece of information they find out about a customer. So they all put it into a system manually. Uh, people thought that was normal. We thought that was really weird, mm. and we thought all of the information that you're putting in, well, almost mm. all of it, um, is already in some other place. It's in your email system. Uh, like there's the emails there. There's the people you're in touch with. There's their email signatures with a lot of good data. Uh, you can have email tracking uh, integrated, you know, all kinds of stuff, web tracking integrated with that. And then you can have uh, the information from your calendar. So you know when you're meeting, what you're meeting about, with whom, how long. Uh, there's information in your phone, like the calls you're making, to which numbers, when, were there missed calls, you know all this kind of stuff. Mm. There's information in company databases. There's information in, in uh, public LinkedIn stuff. And all this information is sort of mm. in different places. And salespeople find themselves just taking, for instance, an email signature and saying a phone number, put in a CRM, first name, CRM, last name, CRM. <laughs> and mm. We thought that was really weird. Uh, and we figured that we could make something that would solve that. Uh, that was uh, seven years ago, and now um, we are bringing this to thousands of different companies using our software, focused on B two B and small and medium sized companies. Hmm. What's the danger? One of the big boys, one of the behemoths, will come along and they, okay, they could buy you. I mean, I'm sure that's probably part of the end game, but there's also a risk that they could see what you're doing and just decide we'll do that too. Uh, yes, they could, um, but it is rather complex and it's, it's not just that you, you look at our uh, product and say, oh, we can do the same. Uh, mm. the logic in the background is very much hidden and it uh, takes a lot of work to, uh, figure yeah. out in the right way. Mm. Um, of course the surface is, uh, easily copied starting with the marketing message. Uh, and that is, that is probably our main issue 
is that if you go to uh, the website of any competitor, they'll say, we eliminate data inputs, uh, we uh, help you do this and that. And it's mm. very hard for us to really differentiate in a marketing message because they sort mm. of claimed stuff they don't really do in the same way. Yeah, there's a lot of promises and yeah. are, are made in marketing. <laughs> yeah, and, and it makes it difficult then for everybody to see through that. So you're, you're, you're starting from ground zero with a lot of skeptical customers, if they're new, if they haven't been referred to you or they haven't discovered it some way. Exactly. Which, which is always, I guess, the challenge for any sales and marketing organization, for sure. Uh, let's talk to you a little bit about your own personal journey um, beyond. So we, we talked earlier a little bit about the, the health side and how that feeds into your own emotional state and how, and how you kind of can, how it helps you deal with the stresses of modern life and, and life in business, particularly as an entrepreneur. Uh, talk to me about some of the, the more skill-based uh, learning path that you've been on and going from uh, somebody out of college in, in work, early career to where you are now. What's, I'm, I'm, it's, it's that growth path as leader I'm, I'm really interested in, what you've mm-hmm. learned about yourself. And then we'll talk maybe a little bit about leadership style. Yeah, it's um, a very good question. I think um, going back, I essentially started as someone who likes to create stuff. Uh, as a kid, uh, I like to build camps in the woods. I'd like to uh, draw. I'd like to actually, and I don't know how to say in English, uh, create things beyond drawing. <laughs> uh, I like to build websites, uh, but I always would do that, uh, well, largely on my own. Building camps was with my brother, probably. But, mm. um, then going to university, um, engineering taught me a lot of uh, handy technical skills. Um, a lot of them I'm not using today, uh, mm-hmm. but a part of them I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very uh, happy that, for instance, there was a course that actually chose myself to follow was databases. Uh, it's probably the, the best thing that, uh, that I followed because a lot of the the medical background and the telecommunication stuff and all these kind of things I, I don't really use. Uh, mm. The medical background sometimes for personal purposes, but uh, otherwise. Mm. Um, but then what helped me a lot um, was business school. Business school, um, first of all, you don't learn a ton of really deep theoretical stuff in business school. Um, it's really more like uh, scratching the surface and sort of having this this high level view, mm. uh, but we worked on a lot of cases as a team, and this is where you have your first experience of how do you organize that in the best way, how do you quickly get to solutions because uh, they overload you with uh, work, and you need to <laughs> quickly get through it uh, with people who don't necessarily uh, want to. Mm. Um, so that was a really great experience. Then uh, the root awakening uh, is uh, joining a corporate. Um, that was horrible. Uh, <laughs> Talk to me about that. Uh, I don't know where to start. I also afterwards, I, I saw more corporates because as a consultant, sometimes I would work mm. project base, mm. uh, but a few times they also uh, placed mm. me somewhere. 
where I had to take over uh, the digital marketing of the company or something. Mm. Um, mm. Different places. Yeah. What I was going to I, ask I you, mean, what, what is it about corporates per se that makes you feel that? Um, just how far things are removed from pragmatic um uh a pragmatic approach and from the customers and there's just all these levels um that are often very detached from each other which makes that really weird things can happen mm. um or things can go really slow things might stay unaddressed and it's all about what happens in all these different layers yeah uh instead of what really needs to happen yeah. Could you imagine what they'd be like if you could just remove, if you had a magic button that could remove all the ass covering out of that <laughs> life? So much of it would disappear. To me, to, again, I've been through this again over the years, and so much of it is, well, we talk about politics and bureaucracy, but most of that comes down to ass covering. I, I'm saying that. I don't know if you agree with me or not. Yeah, that's definitely a part of it, too. I'm, I'm yeah. not... I don't think it's it's entirely as covering it. Um, there's just a lot of inefficiencies in general, mm. um, and it and it and it very much depends on the company. Like in some companies, it's uh, well, most companies is a total lack of communication. Um, I mean, there's meetings, there's one-on-ones, but there are so many things that are uh, left uh, in the open. You sometimes don't know what the, what the person straight in front of you in the office is doing. Uh, you have no idea. And then one day you find out a small detail about it. It's just really weird. It makes it very hard to collaborate. Um, in some cases, there's, there's, there's two people working on the exact same thing, sometimes even willingly. Uh, I remember in one company, the boss had basically done the job of one of his people and had not told her, but then presented it in a meeting to all of us together. And we were all like, how weird is this? But nobody uh, dared to speak out. So that just happened and life yeah. and on, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's another thing that comes out. People are often afraid to speak up and uh, that could, yeah, it's, I guess any large organization is, is the same, right? Uh, you can do stuff about it. I, I, I mm. never, you said you experienced companies like Amazon and Google. Uh, I'm what they say at least is that they, they found some ways to, uh, combat that, but I, I don't, I don't fully believe them. I'm sure it's, it's better than in some other places. Um, but, yeah, they, but they, they, they do. Some of them work harder, and you're absolutely right. Some of them, and that's one of the reasons I asked you earlier, is that if I walked into your office, assuming everybody was there, what would I sense? What would I feel? Often you get that, as that I've been to, into a lot of these big companies, and you walk in the doors or into the, and, and you get a sense. I don't know whether it's the energy, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's an energy of, it. You, you feel that there's a lot of communication taking place, and there's a lot of support, and... Mm-hmm. Everybody's having fun, but taking things seriously at the same time. And then other places you walk into, and it's like going to a funeral. It's it's just so quiet. And I don't mean quiet like a developer's floor. It's just quiet. Everybody's off doing their own thing. And it's like all of these little individual companies running around. Nobody's communicating. I know. 
I know. Uh, I, I worked I in both of these spectrum. places. Yeah. I, I worked in pharma uh, and, and, and I, I, when you say this, I imagine one place and another place where I worked. Actually, I worked in both these places in different days of the week. So there couldn't be any bigger contrast in the one yeah. place. I didn't have my own office. I was basically sitting in a meeting room. I was a consultant, yeah. right? So yeah. uh, I, was, I was working on a big project there, but I was sitting in the corner of a meeting room. People would walk in all the time to chat with me. It was, it was a bit hard to get my work done, but there yeah. was a good vibe. We were collaborating uh, and yeah, that was great. In yeah. the other place, it's the, the, the place that felt more like a funeral. Uh, I had my own office. Uh, it was a big office. I'd never had such a big office. Uh, I had this glass thing uh, and a door. I could close it. Uh, in the hallway, it was all, like we say in, uh, in Belgium, tapis plein, um, carpet. Uh -huh. carpeted. And, but then if I would leave my office, uh, I would be in for some awkward meetings because somehow it was never really clear. If I would say hi to someone in the hallway, they would sometimes look at me like, what are you saying hi for? And if I wouldn't say it, you know, they would, they would like, like, why, why are you not saying hi? Like, <laughs> and I never know what to do. And at lunch, I would, I would go to the, I would, I do my best, right? So I would go to the, the, the cafeteria and sit there with some other people at a table. But then they would say nothing. They would just be eating their sandwich and I would try to start some conversations, but it was really awkward. Um, yeah. That was the place where that thing happened with where the boss did what one of our coworkers had to do actually without, without telling them. That's just mm. it's just the kind of place where these kind of things can happen. Mm. And it all comes down to leadership. I think it comes from the top. Talk to me about at, at Salesflare from a leadership perspective, how you ensure that the the, the culture is is like the former, not not the last example. If you take out the technology tools that help you communicate mm -hmm. better, faster, I get that. Take that out. What is it that you're What is it that you're bringing to the organization that makes it a better place for everybody? Uh, I think it's in essence. There's more to it, but in essence, two things: uh, hiring people that want to improve things. Uh, they want to improve things themselves about themselves, but also around mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. um if uh, if you just hire people that defend the status quo uh it's never going to go anywhere we did that a few times we hired these people they're not with us anymore uh which is nice because that sort of maintains our culture that's one um and secondly um it's giving these people the space to do that also uh, which is really important uh acknowledging uh, that you're happy that they do it even mm -hmm. if it's if it's not if they're not always necessarily right, uh, taking the time to argument very well why you think uh, the idea is not a great one, uh, but still appreciating the idea and all that. It takes time and energy, um, but in the end, it saves a lot of time and energy because mm. uh, imagine me having to come up with all the things that are going wrong. Um, uh, that, uh, <sighs> Yeah, that would that would mean me uh, clearing out a lot of time and using a lot of energy to do that. Mm. While uh, at this point, it's it's uh, it's my coworkers. They come up with what's wrong. They tell me sometimes I I don't think it's really an issue, and then I have to push back on it and ex and explain why. Mm -hmm. uh, the, ex the explaining why is very important. I cannot just say no. 
uh, yeah. because then at some point they will stop doing that and they will stop coming up with the good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, if I if I would boil it down, it would be those those two things. Yeah, interesting. And I guess if you can't explain why simply, then they could they're probably right as well. It's 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 maybe something that hasn't been distilled enough. But uh, I I think if I if I've understood what you're saying is there's a, a huge importance on it's it's an overused word vulnerability but your 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 willingness to be wrong your willingness to listen and not kind of i'm the boss uh, attitude but one more of we're we're we've all got the same goal and we're all on this path together and we all need to listen to another doesn't mean everybody's right it doesn't mean even if it's right it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do so mm-hmm. um it's that to me is a is 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 an attitude rather than okay it it plays itself out as a practice in terms of what people experience were you always like that was that something or is it something that you you kind of came around to over the years in terms of style um came around to to an extent i think it it takes a little confidence building uh to be able to do that i think if you're not if you're very unsure about yourself it's very hard Mm. Uh, to open yourself up to putting everyone on the same level, it's it's much easier to build this hierarchy in which you are like the, the dominating person. Mm. Um, it's it's a bit like like in sales, I think. Uh, like the more unsure um, people who lack a bit of the confidence, they don't give the customer enough space to um, to say all the things they need to say. Uh, they don't listen enough to the customer. They just want to show that they're great, uh, and that that is very very con- counterproductive. It's a, it's mm. a bit the same in in leadership, mm. um, and how you build the confidence. I don't I honestly don't really know. Is uh, <laughs> I, I think in the beginning putting in a lot of energy uh, to try to um, take that attitude um, and sort of yeah without having necessarily the, the the basis for it yeah no it's, um, it's it's really interesting what you're saying because i'm thinking what you said about hierarchies and it's it's what i'm taking from it is like people who are unsure of themselves or by that i mean maybe lack a little bit of confidence often use hierarchies to protect themselves to protect their ego and bolster their self-esteem whereas mm-hmm. if if you don't have that need it's a lot easier to accept we're all in this together and we're not using, which, you, you know, there is a, there is an unspoken hierarchy in, in, in any company anyway, even if it's just from people's natural ability to influence others, there's mm-hmm. always, uh, a, there's always that. But if it's, if, if you're, you're relying on your ability to persuade people and bring them with you without using your position in the company, then you've got something good. That's what I'm taking away from it. Yeah, and it's very hard for me to to to, to not use my position at all, obviously, because people yeah. know that that I I will have the final say in the end anyway. Yeah. Um, but yes, try not to rely on it uh, too much. I yeah. Try to minimize that really. Uh, pull everyone on the same level. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm hearing is know that you're in trouble when somebody says, why should we do this? And you say, because I said so. 
<laughs> that's well, not that, good. Then you're in huge trouble. Then, yeah. I then think, you're in trouble. That's I that's think the a, warning. A few of, uh, of of my coworkers would walk away at that point. They would be like, okay, yeah. if things are changing that direction now, I'm gone. That's good then, because then you've heard strong people. Yeah. Yeah, True. that's good. If they didn't walk away, you'd have a much bigger problem. Interesting. Listen, uh, I'm, I'm, we're running a, a short on time here, and I wanted to ask you a couple of very quick questions before I let you go. Um, one is, I, I ask everybody the same question. Your house is burning down, and your, your family are safe. Your, your phone, of course, and your computer is safe. They're with you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I always add that in because it's the first thing people say. I'd run back and get my phone. No, no, no. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> what would you run if you had, you know, you're told you can go back in and get one, save one item from the house before it burns down. What would you go and get? I'm going to cheat and say my dog. But <laughs> I, I don't uh, say that's cheat. That is cheating. I honestly don't know anything else. I wouldn't really... Everything can be bought again. Yeah. I mean, there's some stuff that have memories with them, but it's not, it's not that painful. Yeah. Really. That's it. All right. Um, when your time on this planet is done and there's a statue erected in your honor and at the base plate there's a plaque that has a sentence about who you are as a person, what would you like it to say? Oof. Uh, I, I hope that I can still uh, develop that. It's actually it's a it's a search. I I don't know, um, and you're sort of searching for it every day. Who, who am I? What do I like yeah. to do? Uh, what is it I still want to do with my life? Uh, if I ever sell Salesforce to one of these big companies, uh, what do I do after? I have no idea. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm. I would even find it hard to put something tentative on it right now. Yeah, I listen. It's funny because I'm in the same boat. I think you're. It's it's in you. Is that you're still searching for what comes next, and I, I think that's a good thing. I I, think, I, I, I I don't understand the mentality. I thought I did because it was what we grew up with the model of. You worked. If you could become financially independent, then you retired and you took it easy. Yeah. And I, I think you're, if you're of a creative mind, that mind never rests. It's always looking for ideas and there's always something said, do this. And I think then what happens is you just have projects. Some are paid, some are unpaid. And I think the balance will shift towards more unpaid projects. But mm -hmm. you, you, you're still involved in something. You're still searching. You're still looking. And uh, so, so maybe that's what we'll put on the plaque for you. Still searching. Yeah. Still searching. It's, it's, it kind of ties back to what we said earlier about better problems. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, yeah. You'll have better problems, but also you'll, you, you'll have even more freedom um, yeah. to, to pick your problems. Yeah. So, well, that seems like a good place to leave it. Jeroen, I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. It's been chock full of insight. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. <laughs>